When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, I am joined by Jay King, Boston Celtics reporter for The Athletic, to talk about Ime Udoka. As of this recording, the Nets have yet to hire Udoka, but um, we talk about what he would be like as coach. So we just try to figure that out and what it was like in Boston and all the controversy that happened there. But first, I don't want to do this, but we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. Welcome back to The Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Brian is not here, uh, but coming up is Jay King from The Athletic. Jay King covers the Celtics. We'll talk about what may be the next Nets head coach. But before we do that, let's talk about uh, one of the Nets team stars, Kyrie Irving. So since we last recorded, some stuff has happened. I don't know if we're all aware of that. Kyrie and the Nets in the Anti-Defamation League uh, had a joint statement last night talking about how the Nets would donate $500,000, Kyrie would donate $500,000 to anti-hate groups, not specifically groups that fight anti-Semitism, but anti-hate groups. The ADL was part of the statement, and they're going to work, in the statement it says, with this partnership, the ADL will work with the Nets and Kyrie to open dialogue and increase understanding. Okay. Everyone was somewhat okay with that, though, if I want to point out, in the statement itself, quoting Kyrie, he never actually apologizes, right? He says, I don't believe everything said in the documentary were true or reflect my morals and principles. I oppose all forms of hatred and oppression and stand strong with communities that are marginalized. I am aware of the negative impact of my post towards the Jewish community, and I take responsibility. I take responsibility is not an apology. Some people would wonder. One of the people who wondered whether an apology was necessary is the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver. Adam Silver, around, I think, 11 o'clock today, put out a statement saying, Kyrie has made a reckless decision to post a link to a film containing deeply offensive anti-Semitic material. He says, while we appreciate the fact that he agreed to work with the Nets and the ADL to combat anti-Semitism and other forms of discrimination, I am disappointed that he has not offered an unqualified apology and more specifically denounce the vile and harmful content contained in the film he chose to publicize. I will meet with Kyrie in person next week to discuss the situation. Which again, everything with Kyrie is like next week. Like Joe Sai is like, I want to meet with him, but like, I'll meet with him later. Adam Silver, I'll meet with him next week because Kyrie is so explosive of a personality that he just can't, just can't be dealt with as a normal human. Okay, here, then very shortly after Adam Silver put out that statement, Kyrie met with the media who were at Nets practice. Kyrie spoke with the media for six minutes. Now, by the time you hear this podcast, you may have already seen the clips online, so I'm not going to retrace everything, but I'm going to hit some key moments. 
Kyrie was asked, for the record, do you have any anti-Semitic beliefs? And this is what Kyrie says. Again, I'm not going to repeat. I don't know how to label. The label becomes justified because you guys ask me the same questions over and over again. It's not going to turn around a spin around cycle, questions upon questions. I told you guys how I felt. I respect all walks of life. But on that question, I think it was Nick Friedel who followed up. On that question, yes or no, do you have any anti-Semitic beliefs? This is what he says. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I've come from. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. That language is the exact same language Kanye West or Ye uses. The exact same. Okay? This is the exact same defense that Kanye had for why he isn't anti-Semitic is the same that Kyrie is. It is this belief. And I don't even care if you have the belief. Have the belief. It is this belief that black Hebrews were the original God's chosen people. But part of that belief that is promoted in this film, this documentary, in the book based on the documentary, and that's been perpetrated by Kanye recently in the media, or through his various forms of media, is that modern day Jews, our ancestors, my ancestors, because I'm Jewish, stole the identity of black Hebrews and have actively over time tried to keep black Hebrews from knowing their identity. Again, Kyrie, you can you you can have whatever belief you want to have, but inherent in this belief, when he talks about I cannot be anti-Semitic because I know where I come from, meaning he is of a Semitic race, is that this belief that modern day Jews and our ancestors have been trying to actively keep down, um, this is so hard to say, um, you know, black people. That, that is inherent in the belief. It is in the documentary. It's the documentary lists a couple of things. It lists the five Jewish lies over time. That's how it describes it in the documentary. And one of them is how the Holocaust, about the Holocaust, essentially the documentary posing that the Holocaust didn't happen, didn't happen to the degree to which that Jews say it did. There were so many other things in the documentary, but to me, the most galling, and I don't, this should be the showstopper. I don't know. You know, when they say anti-Semitic tropes, all this stuff, I think we really need to put a finer point on it. The documentary talks about prominent people over time trying to unveil this Jewish plot. One of them is Adolf Hitler. And in it, it quotes Adolf Hitler about how Jews have actively blackmailed America and are doing so at the expense of black people in America that were holding America hostage. I can't even get Joe Harris on this podcast. You know, I can't get Edmund Sumner on this podcast, but yet I hold America hostage, me and my Jewish podcasting brethren. You know, that's in the documentary. Think about the mindset. Think about the mindset of someone who sits down, watches this three-hour-long documentary that costs 50 bucks on Amazon Prime to buy, 10 bucks to rent. They watch this thing. They see these things in it. This is the text of the film, right? There's a lot of other stuff happening in the film, but these are bold moments. In politics, people say there's something called a, you know, a dog whistle, which would be when you say one thing, but you really mean another thing. And the other thing you mean is either like racist or really offensive, and it's supposed to signal something to the audience, right? Dog whistle. It's, it's, um, you can't hear it, but it obviously activates a certain, well, dogs, dogs. Uh, this isn't a dog whistle. This is a, a blaring, flashing neon light in the documentary. These things, these anti-Jewish things. He watches this thing, and then he goes, well, I'm going to share it. I just want everyone to think about the week that he shared it, okay? Um, to start the week, Jalen Brown and, and Aaron Donald, who were part of Donda Sports, 
came out and severed ties with Donda Sports. They put out statements. They said, we don't support what, what Kanye West is doing, right? That's when they did that early in the week, early this week, right? This week or last week? Last week. There had been some chatter online in the Nets community about, is Kyrie Irving going to say anything about Kanye? Because Kyrie, that while not part of Donda Sports, Brian Lewis, the Post said that, you know, via quoting Kyrie, that Donda and Kyrie have some, you know, just just a relationship, marketing relationship, see where there's commonality. Kyrie didn't have to say anything. He's not part of Donda. He didn't have to say anything. I think he chose to tweet out this film as a response to the Kanye West controversy. Kanye West has weighed in. Kanye West has both tweeted and Instagram images of Kyrie and said they are real ones. Today, he tweeted, I think it was this morning, he's back on Twitter, Kanye West. And the first thing he did back on Twitter was tweet out a picture of, of, of Kyrie Irving. A nice looking picture, by the way. Great picture of Kyrie. That's the first thing Kanye West decided to do once he got back on Twitter via Elon Musk. Trace it again. Statement comes out last night, $500,000. So appreciative of it. No apology in there. NBA commissioner comes out this morning, says, Kyrie, you're doing something reckless. You need to actually apologize. Kyrie then very shortly after meets with the press, talks for six minutes, never apologizes, is defensive the whole time, refuses to even engage with the idea that what he did was actually wrong. He was at one point asked, like, what are the things specifically in the documentary that you disagree with? And what he says was some of the things talking about the Jewish community. Some of the things I, I want, I want people to ask as opposed to anti-Semitic, because that is obviously the thing that Kyrie is latching onto this, the etymology of the word Semite or Semitic, just ask him, is he anti-Jewish, you know, cause he obviously doesn't view Jews as Semites. I don't care whatever that means. I don't know that really, I do know what it means because I watched the documentary like Kyrie. I'll say this. I, I think this dude is destructive. I think this guy, I mean, can't imagine how shitty it is to work with him. To work with that guy, with to work with Kyrie. Just think about that as a basic level, right? This team has been so dysfunctional ever since Kyrie Irving joined the team. He must not be super fun to work with as a player, as a coach. Just may not be that great of a hang. The Nets are maybe going to hire Ime Adoka. And when I get to that with Jay King, and I think, I, I think you guys will enjoy the interview. It really presents a full picture of Ime. You know, someone who, something definitely happened in Boston that, the team thought that they shouldn't, that he should not be allowed to coach, and they seemingly are excited for Ime to leave the team. Uh, but also a very good coach. So there's conflicting feelings there, right? Kyrie needs to go. I don't know what else to say, man. Like he, it's just, it just must not be good for team culture to have a guy like that around. I don't care how good he is. He is completely unreliable. There's no like this. <laughs> This whole controversy came out of nowhere. Did not need to happen. He made the decision to tweet out these links. Again, I think it was in relation to responding to Kanye West. And again, this content that Kyrie promotes aligns with Kanye West. Aligns exactly. So I don't I don't think it was a response in terms of I don't support Kanye West. I think it is in fact him indicating to Kanye that he supports him. And Kanye agrees because he's tweeting about and Instagramming about Kyrie Irving. This team needs to trade Kyrie. Bill Simmons on his most recent pod with Raja Bell, which was really good because Raja, if you don't know, uh, was in the, the Cavaliers front office for a year 
when Kyrie was there. Raja actually knows Kyrie's dad pretty well because they both went to BU, I think. Um, I know Kyrie's dad did, but I think also Raja did. And Raja was about to become an assistant coach for the Nets when Steve Nash got hired because him and Steve Nash are very close. And Raja, in the episode, talks about how close he was to taking the job as an assistant coach with the Nets. It was a very good episode, and, and Raja really laid out a lot about what Ky- Kyrie is actually like as a person. Not all bad, right? Not all bad, of course. No one's all bad. But Bill Simmons, in the episode, talks about, he was like, uh, you know, the Nets have been offering around Kyrie to everyone in the league, and Bill Simmons was like, I'm not even, like, I don't think this is even an earth-breaking report. Everyone knows that. Well, I think it's a little bit of a, a big deal that Kyrie's been offered around to the league. But Bill says, no one wants him. No one in the league wants Kyrie Irving. The thing that I think could work, if you want Kyrie Irving out of town, you need to view Kyrie Irving as not as a player that anyone wants, but as a salary and a contract that people want. Kyrie's contract, of course, everyone knows, is an expiring contract. It's done after this year. It's for $35 million or something like that. And then he's gone after this year. Um, he's not coming back to the Nets for $37 million. If you're thinking of ways to get rid of Kyrie, and I don't know if it's the Lakers anymore, because they may not even want him. I mean, they probably don't. You got to look for teams that are trying to shed salary. The team I would look at is the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz have Mike Connolly, who's averaging 12 points a game and seven assists a game on like under 40% shooting, but is a good dude. Mike Conley has two more has this year and next year on his contract around $23 million a year. They have a bunch of other role players that are making between $10 to $16, $17 million a year. Taylor Horton Tucker, Kelly Olinick, who I think just re-signed an extension, so he wouldn't be eligible to be traded. Jordan Clarkson, Malik Beasley, Lori Markinen, Colin Sexton. The Jazz are a better team than the Nets right now, though we believe that they're probably trying to tank the season. Sean Marks needs to be calling all these teams that are trying to tank and say, we'll take your longer-term contracts if you give, and we'll trade you Kyrie, and you can tell Kyrie to go away because no one's under any obligation to play Kyrie. I think the dude. I just think the dude's toxic. I think it, I don't think anyone wants. No one wants him in the league. Remember what he said in his press conference to start this year, where you know they asked him. They, the reporters literally asked him, Kyrie. There were reports that you were trying to find other teams to go to to try to get a long-term contract. And Kyrie was like, yeah, didn't really work out. It was humbling. Didn't work out. No one wants that. No one wants him on his team, on this team. So you need to go around to teams that are trying to tank that are no good. You talk to Oklahoma City and you say, we will take who, I mean, honestly, they don't have any bad contracts. So there's no one to even take for them. It's really like Utah. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that have, that could probably want to get rid of salary on some level to open up space for next year. Like, I would be interested in going to the Knicks and saying to the Knicks, we will give you Kyrie for Evan Fournier and, I don't know, does what what does Derrick Rose have? Is it a player option or a team option? Team option. You know, whatever. We'll take Evan Fournier back and you guys get Kyrie Irving and you can say to tell him to go away. And we'll take that bad salary. Like, you, you basically have to go to toxic salary zone for all of these teams. You try to get it done. And, you know, I just this guy cannot be on this team anymore. He can't. As electric as he is on the court, he is toxic off of it. And if you're trying to build any type of of a decent team ethic, I don't think this guy can be a part of it. But anyways, hey, 
Um, exciting time for the Nets. They almost may hire a coach who has been suspended by his team. Let's talk about that with Jay King right after uh, this word from our sponsors. Joining me now on the show, truly one of the great NBA beat reporters in the world. Wow, that's absurd praise. Jay King of The Athletic covers the Boston Celtics and co-host of Anything is Potable. You have to whisper it when you say the name. Jay, what's up, man? Thank you for being here. Good morning. It's a great morning when I get to see your gorgeous, gorgeous face. I mean, it's just two good-looking men in boxes right now. <laughs> That's all we are. Um, let me ask you. So, obviously, we're, record- we're recording this at 10.07 a.m. Thursday, November 3rd. Um, the reason why I'm talking to you is because it looks like the Nets may hire the former head coach for the Boston Celtics, Ime Adoka, but we don't know that yet. Uh, what do you know? What do you know? Give us the dirt. What do you know about what's happening? What, how, how should we frame this discussion? It seems like the Celtics at least are prepared for Ime Udoka to land with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and all the reporting suggests a hire is imminent. So Sean Marks said, obviously, that they haven't chosen a coach <laughs> yet, but we've heard that one before. Um, and in this case, it does seem like Udoka will will end up as the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. So, so there's a lot to kind of dissect. I think there's two streams to sort of understand. There's actually multiple. Um, how the Celtics feel about this whole situation, um, what we kind of know about Udoka, and then you know what he actually is as a coach. To start with the Celtics... Um, I will say this. I said this on my last episode. It is unusual. You know, I'm trying to frame this for people to understand because we don't really know much about what exactly happened and why he's been suspended. We have some inkling, but not a ton, right? We know sort of the headline um, that it was a relationship with a subordinate at work. Um, and then there's been some reporting that there were some comments made by Ime that were deemed to be inappropriate. Um, and he was suspended for a whole year. I would say basketball fans need to understand it's very rare for franchises to want to suspend a guy for a whole year, particularly a coach who was as successful as Ime was this past year. And it's also even more unusual that that franchise is like, it's seemingly the Celtics are saying, sure, Nets, you can you can have him. Um how should Nets fans interpret the fact that the Celtics are seemingly not standing in the way at all of a rival, if the Nets are a rival of the Celtics, to get the guy that was their coach that really led them to the champ or not to a championship, but to the finals? I think there are two ways to look at it. The one that makes the most sense to me is that the Celtics are just willing to let him go because they want to have no ties anymore. And they want the Udoka era behind them. They want to get off the rest of his contract and not have any obligation to pay that. They are ready to move, turn the page from that chapter and go into the Joe Missoula era um, without that looming over their whole season, without the really awkward decision that would have come at the end of the season after the suspension, one way or another. Um, and then... The other explanation would be that they wanted to do Udoka a solid and let him go coach if he had an opportunity. And 
that makes less sense to me because he's the one who put them in a really bad situation. They didn't owe him anything. Um, and obviously they they thought that his actions were worthy of a suspension, even though they did not w- want to suspend this guy. Like this was days before training camp. This was pretty much like the worst possible circumstance for them um, moving on to a new coach would be that like he put them in a spot where they felt they had no choice but to do it. Uh, so I, I tend to think it's just that they are wanting to move on. Um, and, and that the upside of moving on was greater than looking for a second round pick or whatever they would have gotten in, in compensation. Yeah. And I think, I mean, ultimately it would have been a bad look, right? If they end up getting compensation, off of what happened with Adoka, like the, the fact that then they would essentially not be profiting off of it, but people could have made the argument, oh, they're profiting off a really bad situation, a situation that, you know, there's that famous press conference with Brad Stevens and the owner of the Celtics. And Stevens was very emotional talking about um, female employees who work for the Celtics, what they had to go through in those few days when we her- heard first about the reports. And then when it finally came out and they filled us in at the press conference, you know, like the internet trolls and people kind of digging in and acting like they're their own version of Woodward and Bernstein on Twitter, like the, and, and, and to come out and, you know, Kelsey Russo of the athletic wrote about, or she had a really great piece for us writing about kind of like the Celtics also, even if they let him go um, to the nets, that they're actually not living up their end of the bargain on the suspension, you know, and and I I understand that viewpoint completely. Um, Adoka, I mean, how much can we say that we actually know about what happened? What is out there publicly that about the incident itself that we're allowed to talk about? Because I feel like even the players, like you heard Marcus Smart talk about it in Cleveland, I think it was. Yeah, um, he was even saying he doesn't really know what happened. Like players don't really, they at least they say that they don't really know what happened. Yeah. Uh, so basically, he had an intimate relationship with a subordinate team employee. Um, there was some sort of investigation about it from the team once they learned of what was going on. Uh, but really, like like you said, not too much is known publicly about the details of that relationship what happened um how he crossed the line i i think the the workplace dynamics um with emay such a powerful figure in the celtics organization that really played into things here um and and the extent of the punishment and the feelings from the celtics organization uh i think for the celtics like if they had brought him back at any point, I think that would have resulted in a really emotionally charged organization. Um, and I, I mean that beyond the players, beyond the team, like the people who worked, who work for the team, like they were put through a lot. And that, that's why Brad was crying during the press conference because it was about the, the women in the organization. Um, and and when you really think about it, like the person he had a relationship with, like that's people's friend, you know, like that's that's people's like 
coworker, the person they see every day. Like that's that stuff is really serious and personal to people. Uh, so I do think him going to Brooklyn, uh, as as Kelsey wrote, like that will could could still be painful for pe- a lot of people who work there to bring Udoka in, but. I, I do think there would have been a different level of emotion if he had ever gone back to Boston uh, and the organization would have really had to deal with some some things uh, about that because uh, it, it was really emotional for for that whole franchise from from Brad down uh, and all the way down too, like everybody. So, yeah, it, it's just a uh, I mean, it's a sad situation. Um but it's it's interesting that the Nets, who know him as well as anybody, um, except maybe like the Spurs, like they know him really well. He just worked there before he was in Boston. They're willing to give him a second chance right away, right away. Yeah, and you know, to me, this franchise, the Nets, have been. You know, it's funny. You know, I've been kind of on a crusade against Kyrie a little bit. That's how people may view it because I actually watched the documentary that he uh, he promoted. And, you know, I have to think, well, don't, don't call it promotion. Cool. Yeah, it's not promotion. I mean, even don't though JJ Redick, I don't know if you saw what JJ said about social media. He says social media is inherently promotional. I thought it was very articulate the way that he broke it down. Um, the, the back and forth with Fridell. Like, I know it's a, not a funny topic at all, but Fridell saying, yeah, but the stuff I put out there isn't anti-Semitic was like one of the funniest things I've I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, so Kyrie puts out... Like, Kyrie just, it Nets just put, shows the absurdity of the whole situation. I mean, Kyrie and the Nets put out a statement um, yeah, last night with the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, about you know they're going to donate combined a million dollars to anti-hate groups and how Kyrie essentially was like, you know, I don't believe I don't believe everything in the documentary. Again, I'm telling people like you I mean the documentary is expensive, man. It's it's no it's like 10 bucks. It's 10 bucks to rent on Amazon. That's wow. you know, 50 smart. bucks to own. You have to you must 50 be rich, bucks man. to own. That's like you could own all of friends. All of the F- friends. 50 franchise. bucks to own is outrageous. <laughs> but I've never seen it, something so preposterous. It's not it's not subtle. It literally lists like it says like very early on. Here are the five lies that Jews that Jews have perpetrated against the world, and one of them is like about the Holocaust. And then in mm. in it again, he in the documentarian that Kyrie promotes, but yet doesn't truthfully believe everything in the documentary. When um, it talks about a moment where it's like gr- you know prominent people over time have tried to warn us of the of the conspiracy essentially that Jews have been perpetrating. One of those prominent people is Hitler. It's like so as as much as Kyrie wants to act like that he, you know, I, I'm not anti-Semitic. And I, I don't I don't think that he believes he is. But like the the the, the brain power that he the, the promoting something that has a Hitler quote as an authority figure, it's not a good look, right? Not I wouldn't say that's a good look. Um but to bring it back to the Nets, I wouldn't say that no, not a good look. But to bring it back to the Nets, it's like that's my problem with this Ime hiring. Like, as as good of a coach as he is, and I want to ask you about that specifically, I just think this organization doesn't have the credibility to do it because 
you know, even Steve Nash, when they hired Steve Nash, Nash was like debating whether to take the job for three weeks. No one was expecting him ever to be a head coach, at least right now. He had no experience beyond being a consultant. And a lot of people were upset that he was hired without experience because, you know, there's a lot of other coaches who were passed over essentially. Now in the NBA, there's been a history of guys taking a job without ever having coaching experience. But actually, if you look at that history, it's not good. <laughs> you know, it's not a, it's not a, if good statistically, if you, if you, it's your first job coaching. Um, and so then they go through that process. They hire Nash. Nash was a bad coach. I think, you know, people are sort of conflating the fact that the Nets are a dumpster fire and, and they don't want to blame Steve Nash fully because he's a nice guy. He was a bad basketball coach. I'm just, he was. So this same organization is going to hire Ime and there's no way they fully understand what happened. They may have gotten um, a viewpoint from Ime's agent or they may have talked to some people within the Celtics organization, an organization that wants to get rid of Ime as coach, right? So I, I don't, there's no way they fully understand what happened. And even if they do, it's a real tough ask. You talk about, there's a lot of women who work for the Nets it's a real tough ask to be like bringing that guy in. You kind of heard something about what happened. How can they have a working relationship with someone where they there can't be full trust there just yet? Uh, it puts the Nets again in a super tough spot. But the reason why they're doing it is because they believe he's the right type of coach for this team. What type of coach is Ime? You know, we've heard he's both tough love and kind of a player's coach. He's a defensive coach. What what kind of coach is he? He's so the, the his best trait to me beyond maybe the defensive stuff. Um, he was able to really challenge guys while also making them believe in themselves, and that's a tough balance, right? Like telling a guy this is where you're fucking up, this is everything you're doing wrong you are falling so short of my expectations and then also telling them making them think i can be so much better than i am and i'm going to be so much better than i am and like for the Celtics last year they had to change a lot of habits um they were 500 the previous season jason tatum and jalen brown hadn't really learned how to carry a team yet the they were using Marcus Smart at point guard where he'd never really played before. Um, and they were a mess. Like in January, they were in 11th place, which is almost midway through the season. They were in 11th place. And he was torturing guys in the press. Like every day I would show up and I, I kind of got numb to it after a while. But he would say guys were being selfish. He would say, you know, this is where Robert Williams screwed up. This is he would point out exactly what went wrong and just be honest about it. And it's, it's rare that a coach and Steve Nash certainly didn't do that. Like Steve Nash was Not a single second. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's rare that a coach will just tell you the truth. And, and he always did that. And he basically said that his, his thing was, I tell this to the guys every day. Like, why not just share it publicly? It's just the truth. They have to learn how to handle that. They have to learn how to accept the truth. And if they can't accept the truth, then we're never going to be great in the first place. Um, and so that was his philosophy. And 
it took a while to to catch with the Celtics. But even when they were under 500 in January, like he never lost that team. And it, it, it was really impressive because he was criticizing guys left and right day after day, and they still threw out it all, like really backed him. Um, so that was really impressive. The defense was awesome. Um, I do think like he had a really impressive staff. Will Hardy was on his staff. Uh, Joe Mazzulla, who's the head coach of the Celtics now, was on his staff. I do think he'll miss those guys, but all the evidence of his one year in Boston suggests that this is a very good basketball coach and and someone who can relate to a team, give a team a level of toughness and swagger that they didn't have before. And when you look at the Nets, like that's what they need. <laughs> like they, they need to have that edge. They need to learn how to defend. They need to, quite frankly, like just have some energy again that that they haven't had in a while. Um, it'll be interesting to see, though, how his coaching style goes with a different set of players. Like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown wanted to be coached hard. They That was one of the things they told Brad Stevens when Brad went looking for his own replacement they said, we want to be held accountable. We want to be coached hard. And I don't, maybe that's what Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons want. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Ben Simmons, like, if that doesn't connect with him or or if nothing would connect with Kyrie. Um, but but clearly, like, he has a relationship with with all those players. He coached Simmons in Philadelphia. He coached uh Durant and Kyrie in Brooklyn so he knows them he knows what makes them tick and basketball wise like this dude was a very very good coach for the Celtics in year one how is who's running the offensive system for the because that's a big issue with Nash like we when Nash was hired the thought was oh this guy was a offensive genius and honestly the team has never I mean, they are one of the least efficient teams. They that first year they were awesome. They, they were, were awesome. awesome. Yeah, they yeah. were so good. They yeah. should have won a title. If but they that had was just stayed moderately you, healthy. You know, the Nets, the Nets fans' conspiracy was that was Mike D'Antoni because it was. It felt very dead because D'Antoni was the like a consultant assistant coach, right? And, yeah. And when he went away, the offense seemed to kind of like an actual structured offense because often what happens is it breaks down to. Hey, KD, get a bucket. Hey, Kyrie, get a bucket. And if they can't, then like, oh, no. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Um, I know Ime is known as a defensive guy. Like, what kind of offensive system is, was he running? I mean, it, it, the Celtics were a unique team offensively, frankly, because of the pieces they had. Yeah, they. so he basically used the Spurs style. Um, and that wasn't how the Celtics really played, but that's like his belief system is – Share the ball, find the open shot, move hard. They didn't move as much as he wanted to. He talked after the season how he wanted more player movement. Um, but, yeah, they, I mean, his offense was really good. And not only that, but it, his his system, his willingness to hold guys accountable, whatever it was, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown reached a new level. And 
I feel like it takes a a really good coach to lift up the stars on the team, right? Like, like a lot of guys can put a system in place, um, whatever to maximize a a group of guys, but stars are already great, and and to get them to another level um, shows a buy-in, shows a level of vision. I think that that's pretty impressive and and that's kind of the task he'll have in in Brooklyn is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons if and when he kind of rounds into form, you need to lift up everyone else around you. And and you need to do a better job of making their life easier and that's how he helped Tatum and and Brown the most and I don't think like Kevin Durant really needs that, but Kyrie does and Ben Simmons does and um, so th- their offense after the trade deadline last year, they were first in offensive efficiency. They were first in defensive efficiency. They trampled everybody. Like they had their net rating after the trade deadline was like plus 13. Like they just absolutely roasted everybody. Um, and, and it, it was, it was really impressive to see. Like that was some really amazing basketball that they played over the last three months of the regular season. And it was his first year as a head coach, and he just kind of seemed like he had a handle on everything his team needed to do to improve. Uh, and and it, it, like it wasn't a given that they were going to be great either. They were 500 the year before. They they brought back a lot of the same guys as the previous season. Their depth was definitely way better, like not even comparable, but. But he still needed to do a lot of work to to push that team in the right direction, and and he did. Uh, so basketball wise, like I think he's going to be a, a really good fit, and I would be really surprised if he doesn't impact the defense, especially right away. Yeah, I mean Kevin Durant when he, you know, he had his trade request, and then he had I want to fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks, and then he decided I'm going to come back. That when he first spoke to the it's media, been quite a wild ride for the Nets. I mean, we th- there's been no like the funny thing is in the off season you do those podcasts where you do like here are the five things I like about the Nets. Here's like the 13 things the role players can do. You know, let's watch an old game or some baloney. Like this year, it was just disaster, hopping from you know crisis to crisis, and it's still it's still that way, obviously. <laughs> You know, I, I had Sarah Kustak on before the season, and I was like, Sarah, I just want this team, you know, to have a nice long runway, a chance to develop. And she was <laughs> like, Yeah, Mike, that would be great. And then we're here, we're where we are right now. Um, but, but KD was talking about before the season about like part of why he was upset with the team was that he thought that, uh, you know, uh, the level of sort of accountability wasn't high enough across the board. He never put a name to what players weren't being held accountable because, frankly, Kyrie would have been on that list because he wouldn't get vaccinated or, you know, whoever like Claxton maybe didn't play well enough consistently, which was definitely true. But he just he talked a lot about that. And so when you hire Ime, there's a thought of that. It improves the defense and that because of the job he did with the Celtics, that maybe he can bring something out of Kyrie in terms of forming him more into a morally fully realized player and Ben Simmons. I think this move is really, I mean, this move is being made with no thought of Kyrie. I I think the nets, you know, Bill Simmons actually talked about in his most recent pod 
and he he acted like he wasn't breaking news, but it, it kind of is that the Nets have been looking to trade Kyrie pretty consistently since the they start of no, the season. They had nothing. Yeah, they had like nothing, nowhere to go to send him. And and you know we all know that the one possible destination would be L.A., but I don't think I don't know if the Lakers would even. I mean, maybe they would, but anyways, that's a whole other thing. Ben Simmons has been such. Uh, I don't know. Have you watched much Nets at all this year? Yeah, uh, Simmons. He just doesn't look like he's moving right. Like he still looks hurt to me. And, and, and maybe it's just a time off. Maybe he just needs to get more of a rhythm. But he he's not moving like the guy in Philadelphia who used to be the fastest guy on the court and running and jumping and so physical and just runs straight through your chest like it's not the same. Yeah, he had. I think it, so. He has a hurt knee right now, and the news that is coming out about the hurt knee is very reminiscent of his back injury that led, ended in surgery this off season, where it's like you don't really hear much about it. It kind of pops up, and I worry that the knee injury is going to be like a thing where like oh he's out six weeks or something. But who knows? But I think Ime's hired honestly for Kevin Durant to not to make Kevin Durant better, but to. He made to hopefully raise the t- the level of play for the role players, bring them more accountable. They don't even care about Kyrie. I really don't think. I, I you know, people are like, "How's how's Ime's like tough love going to work with Kyrie?" Kyrie's frankly just uncoachable at this point. Like Ty Lue is thought of as one of the best coaches in the NBA. Him and Ty Lue clashed. You know, like Brad Stevens, who you know whether you want to say he was an awesome coach or overrated or whatever, like that didn't work out. Right. And and, and, and everyone Nash. likes Brad. And yeah, and Steve like Nash, everyone. Who, not a great coach, but a like a great dude. You know, you, you never as much as this team has been a dumpster fire, Nash has like been pretty steady, at least publicly, in terms of his words, and he's never threw anyone under the bus. Maybe he should have done that a little bit more, but he didn't do it. Wait till you see email. You're gonna be like every <laughs> every awesome. day you're no, I'm not he's I'm gonna actually, just torture you guys. Dude, I, I'll, I'll be straight up honest that like this team really shouldn't hire him. I, you know, I, I'm wondering if this delay is happening because the public pressure is kind of getting to Josiah. I mean, people, what people don't know is that Josiah's wife Clara is is very involved with the team. Is very involved with the decision making. Like she's in these meetings with Kevin Durant, and Clara is, you know, I I fear that they're going to use a stamp of approval from Clara. To hire Ime. What often happens is these men owners go to their wives. I'm a Commanders fan. The com- Dan Snyder's done this with Tanya hey, Snyder many congratulations. times. Congratulations, Snyder yeah. might sell. Well, I'm not. Don't even. I'm not even. That's a. I think they're selling a, a minority stake just to get money because they owe the league four hundred million dollars. But that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but the I worry that they're going to be like Clara gave approval for this hiring. When it's like, there's no, I don't know how you can approve the hiring right now. There's just not enough information. There's not enough information. There hasn't been enough time. Jay, when was the press conference where Brad cried? That was a month ago or two months ago? Yeah, so he got suspended basically like five weeks ago. And, And the question to me, beyond should the Nets do this, um, which... Like here's the thing. 
the NBA is a league of second chances. What he did, I think at some point he was always going to get a second chance. I'm just surprised it's coming so quickly. Um, and and it seems like from the Nets' perspective, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it seems like a desperation move, like a last-ditch effort to get the franchise back on track before Kevin Durant is lost forever and before they squander, you know, having one of the 15 best players of all time on their roster. Um, and maybe it'll work. It, like, it could work. But also, I wonder, like, if the Celtics considered his actions worthy of a suspension, and they absolutely did not like that was the last thing they wanted was to swap coaches days before training camp while they're trying to come back from a finals appearance and build on that. If, if they considered it worthy of a suspension, why is the NBA not going to step in? And like, I feel like it's just been a bad stretch for the NBA. Like Kyrie was just able to put that stuff out there, promote it, even though he didn't, want to call it promotion and the nba did nothing like they didn't they didn't find him they didn't suspend him they didn't do anything you've got i mean it's just and now if may does go and coach the nets then you've got someone who at the very least had an inappropriate relationship with a female subordinate and and you're just gonna let him go coach another team in in six games, seven games, whatever it is. Uh, it just seems like the NBA is just kind of asleep at the wheel right now. I, I don't know why they haven't done more to step in with all the issues kind of swirling around the league right now. And and I do think. I wonder if that's why there's a delay. And again, this podcast may come out. It'll come out at around noon when people will hear it. You may maybe announce this coach by then. All indications. But it has been kind of delayed. And and if we're going to be fair to the NBA, you know, the Nets fire Steve Nash. And within 90 minutes, it comes out that Ime is going to be hired. You know, it, 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 it like immediately the tweets were like Quinn Snyder and Ime will be considered. And then immediately it was like Ime will be hired. So it, it makes you wonder like when they started thinking of that. Like when he got suspended by the Celtics, were were they like so happy? Like, yes, we can fire Steve Nash now after eight games and hire that's this what guy. Steve, Stephen A. Smith said. Stephen A. Smith said at the very start of the season that the Nets wanted to fire Nash. He said this like not now. He said it at the start of the season. Yeah. The Nets wanted to fire Nash and hire Eme. That's what they've been wanting to do. Um, someone else reported, I forget who it was. The Nets were going to fire Steve Nash after, uh, I think the Pacers game on Saturday, but then Ky Kyrie had his whole anti-Semitic tweets, you know, <laughs> promotion, which is again, crazy that we're like, that's just happened last week. Um, so they couldn't fire him, you know, so close to all this other stuff, even though like what has been resolved, I don't know. So because they, you know, they won the game and then they fire him. But all this is so jumbled up. Chris Mannix said that the Nets had been doing um, 
their due diligence for the past few days on email before they fire national. Like this has all been happening. You know, I'll bring up one other thing. You know, I'm not I'm not in HR. You know, I don't work for I'm not a headhunter. I don't work in hiring. But what I do know is when you want to have um, the best possible candidate pool, you want the biggest possible candidate pool. And what the Nets have done through Sean Marks, Steve Nash is his friend, and they go out to him and ask him if he wants the job, and he wants the job. Eventually, wanted the job. Ime was an assistant, and they're like, "Let's just go take him." You know, there's other like qualified people out there who don't have the baggage. Frank Vogel is a defensive coach who has been a very good defense coach over many other places and won a championship with LeBron and AD in the bubble. Handled a pretty tough situation. Um, Quinn Snyder, great coach, hasn't won <laughs> to that level, but has won consistency in the regular season and is actually one of his top assistants. Igor, I forget how to say his last name, is on the Nets bench right now. Um, so, like, there are other options, but the Nets, the way they operate is this, like, who's our friends? Who's our buddies? Who do we know? And that's not effective hiring, Jay. That's like if you hired Sam Packard, your co-host uh, for any for I, any I would job, Sam Packard for anything to to like redo your apartment. Would you do that because he's your friend? No, <laughs> no. just because he's your friend, you wouldn't do that. I I would absolutely so never unreliable. let him in my apartment under any circumstances. Yeah. Um. So I just I don't think the Nets should make this hire. Eme may be a fantastic coach. Um. He may be the right coach for this team, but he's not the right coach right now. You know. Yeah. You. Remember, you know, we all fall in love with people sometimes at the wrong time. And this is not the right time to fall in love with Ime Adoga. It's just not. It's not. It's and I and you talk about the NBA. I I wonder if the NBA is kind of saying to the Nets, like, hey guys, you can't just you can't just jump right into this. Like there's gonna be ramifications and it may be, you know, a some some actual real suspension that the NBA throws down. Um yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We'll yeah, and you wonder because the Celtics just handled that all by themselves and went out and suspended him on their own um, and didn't wait for league intervention. So you do wonder what the league thinks about it. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. Like they, they clearly haven't stepped in yet, um, but maybe they are, maybe they are. Maybe that is the delay. Um, or maybe the nets are just delaying to make it look like they Searched for other candidates and and tried to find somebody. Uh, your point about the the thirty head coaches is a good one. Like there are so many qualified guys to coach a basketball team, um, and it's such a competitive field um, that I always it always baffles me that guys get a second chance and i'm not just talking about from scandals i'm talking about like when a guy is just mediocre in his first job why do people hire him again like there are so many other people out there that would love to coach a nba team and would potentially be very great at it and teams just always go for retreads um so that's not really anything to do with email doka because he was very good at his job um but it it always it always just strikes me as weird how the NBA handles the hiring of of the coaches. Uh, last question for you: How do you think 
I think we heard a bit from Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, but how do you think the players will react if, in fact, Ime is hired? And, like, how will they feel about that? It's it's really emotional, man. Um, because especially if they don't know all the details, which Smart has said several times, they, they're kind of in the dark. Um, they could look at it and think, if the Nets are willing to give him a second chance right now, why weren't the Celtics? And and I think that's part of it. Another part, like they're going to be happy for the guy because they respected him and they want him to to have another job and get another chance. Um, they really, really respected Ime Udoka. And after losing in, to the Warriors in the finals, they expected to come back into this season and build on that and be able to mount another run and work on all the the flaws that they've found during the run to the finals. Uh, and so everything is, has just kind of been a whirlwind for the players. Like it was just before training camp that they had to accept that Joe Missoula was their new head coach. And, and now less than a month, like two weeks after the regular season started, their coach is rumored their former coach is, is rumored to be landing someplace else when they thought he was just suspended and might come back at at some point to continue coaching them. It's just a lot to deal with. And and I I, I do think the the players like NBA players are incredible at compartmentalizing, at getting through stuff that would stick with a lot of other people. Um at ignoring all the drama around them and playing basketball. But it's just a lot for, for players to deal with. Um, and so, like, I think that is something that the Celtics have to handle no matter what is just the emotions from it and and the continued fallout. Like, they're going to look at, across. And what if, what if Ime Udoka transforms the Nets? And what if he's great while Joe Mazzulla is struggling with the Celtics? Like, what are the players going to think then? Um, and obviously, like, the basketball piece isn't as important as the off-the-court stuff here. And and the Celtics took a stand that they thought they needed to. Um, but for the basketball team itself, like, dealing with all the emotions of that, uh, you know, Ime Odoka coaching – a team they've played in the playoffs each of the last two years is just going to be, I think pretty difficult for some of those players to handle. Wild stuff, man. Uh, <laughs> well, again, what, how many games? Seven, seven games are yeah. we into the season. Not very, <laughs> not very. It's, it's just November. Um, but we have a lot more time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how things develop with this. Honestly, these next 24 hours, um, I think I'm going to go to the Nets game in Washington to to see if Ime is going to be there. Um, and yeah, man, I appreciate you. I know uh, it's kind of crazy covering the Celtics, but I think things are stabilizing uh, a bit, and we'll see how everything shakes out. With, yeah, we'll uh, see. We'll we see. will see. All right, man. We'll I if everybody is also a Celtics fan, if you're both a Nets and Celtics fan. Which is a lot. There's a lot of people that are like that. Um, check out Jay on anything is potable, and you can read him 
you can read i mean he's written a lot about email over the over the months so you can dive into his archives go on his twitter and click on one of the articles that he's tweeted out subscribe all that stuff jay king appreciate you thanks man appreciate you smelty i miss you man i know i miss you too actually i really yeah I damn. Know what you're saying. 